defenders trick their attackers? Can organizations use deception successfully to level the playing field and dupe cybercriminals? This week on the Cracking Cybersecurity Podcast, we'll be discussing the art of tricking the trickster. I'm Anna Delaney, editor at TICE, and this week, Carolyn Crandall, who has the coolest title in tech, Chief Deception Officer and CMO at Ativo Networks, joins us on the podcast and explains how organizations can turn the attacker's techniques against them. We also talk about evolving threats in 2019 and Carolyn's quest to get more females into tech. Here we are at InfoSec earlier this month. I mean, when we think about the defender, we don't necessarily think of a deceiver, a trickster. We think of the attacker as, being, as playing that role. Right. Can the defender deceive successfully? Absolutely. And it's kind of fun taking a page out of the, the attacker's playbook, right? Because they use deception on us all the time by phishing us and tricking us into revealing information. And, and so this was kind of fun to go, okay, well, let's think about how an attacker attacks, right? So I'm either going to to do reconnaissance, so I gotta look around and see what's out there. And so it's an opportunity to trick them by creating authentic decoys that if you do the deception in a way, um, like Ativo Networks, the company that I work for, does it by creating very authentic decoys using the same operating systems, application services as in production. So the attacker cannot tell real from fake, so it's really blending in with the environment. So as an attacker, as I go to look around, I'm going to scan, ping, try to engage with that decoy. And the minute that you do it, you get a very high fidelity alert. The second way that I might do it is, is well, I've got to get credentials to get into the things that I want access to. So now if I all of a sudden have uh, credential bait that's out there, I'm going to try to use it to be able to, to you know, either harvest and get to more or get access into different things. And then the third is, we all know with ransomware attacks today, is, is I'm going to try to look for map drives. And so, again, if I can use deception to create fake drives on the network that the attacker then will go in and take um, a look at and try to engage with, these are all opportunities for the attacker to be deceived through different levels of, of deception technology. And so um, it absolutely is, is effective against um, really derailing the attacker's efforts um, and tricking them into to revealing their own presence. So what do you think the, the main criteria are in order to trick the trickster? I think the number one thing is it has to cover the right attack surfaces. So if I only have deception in this very obscure part of the network, we're not where the attacker is likely to go or in the attack path of an attacker, it will get missed. So if Whatever that weak link is inside the network, whether it's on your network, uh, you know, your servers, your end user network, uh, could be specialty devices like uh, point of sale systems and industrial control systems, um, IoT, um, or maybe it's in the cloud, right, where things don't um, have the same security uh, as you would if it was on on premise, and so. Um, Having that attack surface coverage is really a big piece of it. So anywhere the attacker may go, anything they may try to try to attack, if you can set up that decoy to slow them down and misdirect. And, and some people go, well, will they completely fall for it completely? It's like, well, if you look at the main point of deception, it is to be able to detect quickly and early. So you get the value that they are going to trip over it very quickly. The second is, as well, 
it has to be attractive, right? So if the attacker looks at it and goes, okay, yes, you're everywhere where I would go, but you don't blend in with the environment, I'm going to look and go, that doesn't look, smell, or operate like the real thing, so I'm going to avoid it. So having authenticity that goes to extra measures to run the same application services as what's in production, having those credentials validate, for example, inside of Active Directory, so that as I look to try to say, well, should I touch those credentials or try to use them or not, let's put these additional validations, um, let's do some creative things, like we use our credentials so they get timestamped, and so I may, um, as a deception vendor, make sure I throw in timestamping of the credentials, so as the attacker looks at it, it's like, everything looks real, so I'm going to um, take, the, you know, I'm going, going to give it a try. Or if I know deception is inside the network, you're going to slow me down a lot because now i got to figure out, I know it's out there, so how do I avoid those landmines that have been placed for me? So, you know, whichever way you look at it, there is a benefit of, of having deception to either stop the attacker quickly or at least slow them down, which then gives you a chance as a defender to see them more, you know, more accurately and more quickly. And you mentioned environment earlier. How can the deception environment be truly effective? What's the, what's the right condition? So, if you look at the, the three basic ways that people are going to, to attack, if you, if you only have one form of deception, you may miss things. And so if you think about comprehensive uh, deception, you would have the decoys on the network, you'd put the credentials and other bait out on the endpoints, um, you'd add additional application deceptions. So, for example, if I was trying to attack a financial system, I may go after a, a um, Swift application, or maybe I go after a web server, or a point-of-sale server, or a gift card server. So i put application deceptions, knowing these are the things that the attacker would be after. And then I may put some data deceptions in there as well. And I go, okay, well, what are you after? Are you after... Um, credit card information, are you after personal health care information, um, are you looking at uh, company IP or case files from a, a law firm or attorney, there's trying to really just understand what the attacker would be after and then you put that fake data in which will give organizations the ability to pick up that intelligence of well if I know what they're after now I can better defend my you know my resources behind it. And so those are the layers of deception that uh, organization can use. And then the other thing that they can do is, is use the technology um, that comes with deception, which in order to mirror match the environment, you use machine learning to look and see what everything looks like. But as part of that, you also start to see where there are risks and exposure in the network. And so knowing those attack paths, you also can um, do that vulnerability assessment and very proactively shut down those attack paths. So. Um, for example, if I said, if I take these credentials, now I can move back first, second, third, fourth, hop to where my target may be. But if you go, okay, here's all my exposed real credentials that are out there, now I'm going to shut down those paths, or maybe I can't shut them down, so I'm going to add deception around it. So now when the attacker gets to where they want, it's like, oh, I thought there was going to be one system there, now there's five or ten that I've got to try to figure out, which increases their probability of making a mistake and letting the defender know that they're in trying to do something they should So you're using old methods in a new context? 
Yes, yes. I mean, we've been using deception and military sports gambling for millennia, so it just seemed natural to bring it um, to cyber defense. And a lot of people will go, well, wait a minute, wasn't this used like 15, 20 years ago with Honeypot and HoneyNet technology? And the answer was yes. It was actually a, a brilliant concept then, but the execution wasn't what it needed to be. And so the difference was back then, um, it wasn't designed for authenticity. Right, it's just the assumption people would trip over it, and now it's designed to blend into the environment using machine learning and other technology in a way that makes it a very effective detection mechanism. And you know, it's a, it's effective because there's no yes or no, right? If anybody engages with it, you get a very high fidelity alert, unlike other detection methods that um, you could get the false, you know, false positive from. So, so you know, one being out there and authentic, the other is that attack surface coverage. It was never designed to look like all these different things that, um, you know, could be a regular system, could be a router or a switch or a VoIP system, but you can create the deceptions in those environments to, to make them believe it. And when you look at how the cybersecurity industry is evolving, how the threats are evolving, what's on your mind in 2019? Yeah, and it's... You know, we look at everything that an artificial intelligence is bringing us, and it's fantastic, but also we have to remember the attackers are, are using it as well. And so trying to keep ahead of technology, and, and innovation is far outpacing security, whether it be in IoT or cloud or other things, whether the attackers are just getting more sophisticated, more access to tools, leveraging the um, whole dark web marketplace. There are a lot of things at the fingertips of an attacker to stay ahead of traditional technology. And so as I look at what's ahead is people need to look at their um, cyber defenses differently and realizing you can't keep ahead to prevent everything. And so it means you have to have a balance of not only prevention but detection and also how you respond to those attacks. So you need to be able to move very decisively and quickly. And that for us coming from, from a deception-based company is a perfect environment for us because we're not relying on knowing anything about the attack. It's all based upon attacker behavior. We know they have to go through these motions and if we can um, make that harder for them, slow them down, create confusion, maybe be enough of a deterrent where the economics start to change and you become an undesirable target. Those are all benefits for the organization to have a stronger defense against that, that adversary. Carolyn, you've won various accolades. You're an inspirational woman in tech. This time last year, I was talking about diversity interviewing people and you know, it was highlighted that there needs to be more diversity in tech. How happy are you with the state of diversity at the moment? Boy, we got a long way to go. Um, <laughs> but that's what was said last year. Has yeah. it improved over the years? I think there are places where people are more conscious about it and they are trying to make a, a difference. Um, you know, I think RSA got tagged pretty heavily last year and or the year before and this last year they've tried to introduce uh, you know, more women into the, the program and speakers, but it's still, it's still fundamentally challenging because if you look at even with the, the, the event we're here today with, uh, you know, Info Security, I think uh, the calculation was about a fifth of the presentations were from women. And on one hand, you go, okay, that is very low and it should be more equally balanced, but it's also a representation of 
the number of women, you know, and, and you know, you can take your stat, whether it's 20% or 10%, but somewhere in between is the, the female population inside of here. And so the fundamental problem is, is that the pool is very small of the people that they can choose from with the experience and the credentials. And so I think the thing that's going to make the difference, but it's going to take a little bit more time, is is creating more programs so that as females want to get involved into this, we may not come with necessarily some of the same background or or you know experiences as our male counterparts because we're new coming into this. So if we want to go from 20% to 40% female population, we are competing for the jobs and sometimes competing in ways that we don't always come in with the same experience. And so we have to create more programs that are welcoming for women to come in get that experience, get the training, and sometimes even just take a bet, right? And say, I'm going to bet on aptitude and give women a chance. And that will open up the opportunity for more women to come in and to progress more quickly. And if that happens, you're gonna see, okay, well, now this female has the same um, background and credentials as the male, and it will become an easier decision, where I think right now, because the, the pool is small, it becomes hard even for the event organizers to fill the card as much as they may want to. Um, I think they're there, they just have to work a little harder to find them, and if we increase the number of women out there, it'll become easier, and I think it'll naturally balance itself out, but it's probably going to be a three to five year endeavor, assuming you know, we, we create the programs, the opportunities, the support system for women to you know, continue to want to be in this field and progress through it. Did you have enough support along the way? It's been challenging. It has been really challenging. I, I work for a fantastic company of which I feel like is very supportive of, of me and what I'm trying to do. And um, I go out and I do a lot of education for you know women in technology. And I've actually been doing this. My background before was more networking than security. But the, the challenge is very similar for women in networking as, as well as just kind of technology overall. But I'd say security is maybe even a little more challenged. Um, so it has not been easy, but you also learn to be tenacious. And um, I do a lot of things to give back for younger women, um, whether it's in uh, everything from my, my daughter's elementary school to, you know, with her STEM and trying to get cyber into the STEM program, which is even hard because that's still in its, its infancy. Um, and then I do a lot of things at the uh, university level and talking to a lot of the new grads and even have some hiring programs where I bring in um, graduates straight from, you know, some college and try to create an environment where a lot of times companies only want to hire people that know what the job is and what to do in the job, but I try to create a program where people can come in and we teach and we spend a lot of time um, on education programs, training programs that carve out a certain amount of the budget for them to take classes and things like that. And so um, my team now is probably about 70% women. And um, you know, so and I'm very happy with the opportunity that presents for them to to get into the technology field, get the technology background, so that they can be the next generation that carries forward with that balance that we're looking to get. And what's the greatest thing you've learned over this time? Oh boy, the greatest thing. Um, don't give up, right? You know, I think that if you're if you're not afraid to go out and do things differently, like even if you sometimes fail at it, it's just don't be afraid, you know, just try things. I, I do find systemically that when women go out after jobs or opportunities, we generally want to make sure we can check 
all of the boxes, right? And feel like we can crush this thing and do it great. And and I think what I've tried to apply to my own learning and I'd encourage other people to do is, is even if you only check seven out of the 10 boxes, still go for it, right? And still try and come in and, and spend the time, learn on your own, work harder, work smarter, and get there. And, and don't be afraid, because a lot of people find that men, even if they only check seven of the ten boxes, they have no hesitation, right? They just like, hey, I can do this. So, so take a little bit of that spirit and go out on a limb, and you know what? You'll make some mistakes, but if you feel like you're on an edge, ask for help. People generally are willing to help, so take advantage of that and, and push yourself forward. And I think that's how we'll, how I got ahead was sometimes putting myself in places where I felt like, oh my gosh, what did I, what did I do? Um, but. Then you see the successes you can drive and it encourages you to, to go forward and keep doing that. So I think it's why I'm here today is, is just never giving up. Thanks to Carolyn. That's all we have time for this week. Please tweet us any ideas, suggestions or questions at TISS. That's T-E-I-S-S. -S. We're always keen to hear from you. We'd also love it if you could subscribe and rate our shows. For now, it's bye from us. Join us next time for more Cyber Conversations.